Hello and welcome to Watch It Baptist Church Online. My name is Mike Shervin. I'm a pastor at WBC and you're joining us for the second in our short series on understanding Jesus. We looked last time at the idea of Jesus as priest and this time we're going to be looking at how we might understand Jesus as prophet. Now I want to keep this teaching brief like I did with the last one uh, but there are also seven things I want to say, so I'm going to look to say them all fairly briefly. Each one comes with its own uh, passage of scripture, but there's an overall bit of the Bible that I'd like to begin with. In fact, two bits to read one verse from Deuteronomy and then a little bit from Mark 6. But before we do those things, let's pray. Lord Jesus, would, be, would you be with us as we uh, endeavour to understand what it is for you to be prophet. Help us to grasp a sense of the identity that you have in this way and help us together with other understandings to build a picture of what you're like and what you want to bring to the world and to us in it. Amen. Okay so as promised we're going to be looking at two passages. The first is just that one verse which is from Deuteronomy 18 verse 15 and it's Moses doing the speaking at this point. The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among you, from your fellow Israelites. You must listen to him. And then secondly, we're looking at Mark chapter 6, verses 1 to 5, which say this. Jesus left there and went to his hometown, accompanied by his disciples. When the Sabbath came, he began to teach in the synagogue and many who heard him were amazed. Where did this man get these things? They asked. What's this wisdom that's been given to him? What are these remarkable miracles he's performing? Isn't this the carpenter? Isn't this Mary's son and the brother of James and Joseph and Judas and Simon? Aren't his sisters here with us? And they took offence at him. Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without honour except in his own town, among his relatives and in his own home. He could not do any miracles there except lay his hands on a few sick people and healed them. He was amazed at their lack of faith. Now the second of those two passages, the, the Mark 6 bit, shows us a key thing, which is Jesus identifying himself as a prophet. He refers to himself and says, a prophet is not without honour except in his own town. And it's important for us to realise that when we give uh, a sense of prophet status to Jesus. We're not doing something that he didn't do himself. The first reading from Deuteronomy is Moses referring to uh, a future prophet, and that prophet is Jesus and is recognised as such later by his disciples, and we'll see how in a bit. So there are seven things that we're going to work through, and each of them is going to be quite brief. There are seven ways in which we might understand prophecy or being a prophet to work. So number one is preaching. Prophecy, you see, points to God like preaching does. And perhaps we see that uh, quite clearly in Acts 3. Um, I did promise this was coming. So in Acts 3, we're at the start of the story of the church. And in Acts, Peter particularly gives some sermons or at least talks to the crowds about Jesus. And he says this, this is how God fulfilled what he had foretold through all the prophets, saying that his Messiah would suffer. Repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out. 
that times of refreshing may come from the Lord and that he may send the Messiah who's been appointed for you, even Jesus. Heaven must receive him until the time comes for God to restore everything as he promised long ago through his holy prophets. For Moses said, the Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among your own people. You must listen to everything he tells you. Anyone who does not listen to him will be completely cut off from their people. Jesus' role as a prophet was in lots of bits, but one of them was this, to preach, to announce good news, to say this is God's message and to point people towards God. So part two then, what else is prophecy? Well, I, I wanted to say journalism at this point. Having been a journalist, I don't always assume that journalism is a bad thing. But there is something about prophecy that's to do with reporting what is happening and saying about what comes next, or at least what could come next. A lot of prophecy, particularly in the Old Testament, involves people appointed by God to say, this thing is going to come. But usually in the context of because of these things that are happening or these ways in which people are behaving or these ways in which things have developed, that's why this will come. And even sometimes this thing is going to happen if these things don't happen first. So unless something changes, this will be the outcome. So there is a sense in which prophecy involves um, foretelling. But importantly, we need to recognise that that element of prophecy is really based on a, a, a way in which God wants to communicate to what's happening now and the implications of that for the future. And Jesus does exactly this in so many ways, but particularly when he wants to talk to his opponents, the, the Pharisees and teachers of the law and the scribes and the Herodians and, and various others, that he says to them, um, this is what you this is what's happening this is why you're doing it that way and this is what you think but actually it needs to be like this and if that doesn't change then then this won't come so there is an element of sort of accurately reporting what is now and then talking about its consequences as well number 3 i've called revolution because prophecy opposes oppression and challenges the earthly authority challenges the status quo, if you like. Prophecy, and we see this in um, Jeremiah particularly, perhaps, and in Hosea as well, and, and Ezekiel. Prophecy stands in the gap between those who are marginalised and God. And uh, not really a gap, is it? I'll probably explain that a bit wrong. But they stand between those two. And, and they make sure that there is a recognised connection between them so that they, the, the poor and the marginalised know that God sees them and that the people around are told that God sees those who are suffering under the oppression that they're living under. I'm going to just have a little bit at look at little bit Matthew 21, starting at verse 11. The crowds answered, this is Jesus the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. Jesus entered the temple course and drove out all who were buying and selling there. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the benches of those selling doves. It is written, he said to them, my house will be called a house of prayer, but you are making it a den of robbers. You see how Jesus is really throwing himself into a direct challenge of 
the, the power structures that exist. He's pitting himself against those who would exploit and oppress others. And, and in that situation, it was spiritual and it was economic as well. But it comes across in so many ways. That's the kind of prophet Jesus was. Number four, I've called representation. So prophecy represents the voiceless and the unheard. There is some overlap between this and the revolution one. In a way, revolution is a result of representing those who otherwise wouldn't be noticed. I'm going to dip into Matthew 11 here, verses 4 to 6. In this passage, um, John the Baptist has sent some of his disciples to Jesus to ask a question about whether or not Jesus is the Messiah. And Jesus says this, Go back and report to John what you hear and see. The blind receive sight, the lame walk. Those who, are, who have leprosy are cleansed. The deaf hear, the dead are raised. And the good news is proclaimed to the poor. Blessed is anyone who does not stumble on account of me. You see, Jesus sees his role, which we have already identified that he sees himself as prophet or recognises himself as one, that his role includes um, reaching out and representing the marginalised and, and the unheard, those whose voices didn't carry to those in authority. He specifies here those who are ill or or um, uh, disadvantaged in some other way, as well as those who are dead and then raised, and the poor, the poor in general. Jesus is the kind of prophet who represents those nobody else is representing. Number five is justice. Because prophecy interjects, it, it, it gets stuck in by providing God's point of view at a time in history. This is very much the case when we look at those prophets who warned Israel of the consequences of its patterns of behaviour. Um, we've been looking at Ezekiel along these lines recently. Um, but we get some of that in Isaiah as well and, and in Micah. Uh, anyway, God's point of view in history is, is injected uh, into the circumstances. So in Luke 18, we have this, and this is Jesus talking. He said, in a certain town, there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared what people thought. And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with the plea, grant me justice against my adversary. For some time, he refused. But finally, he said to himself, even though I don't fear God or care what people think, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually come and attack me. And the Lord said, Listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? There is an aspect of being a prophet that is about justice, about um, stepping in and saying, this isn't not how things should be, and, and God isn't okay with it. And in this passage, which is also about um, encouraging uh, a prayerful life, Jesus wants his hearers to understand that justice is important for God and that God will act for those who are on the wrong end of injustice. If you need justice, then the kind of prophet 
who speaks into your circumstances that's going to make the biggest difference. It's that Jesus kind of prophet. Number six, it's hopefulness. Many of you will know that one of the most looked up verses of the Bible online is Jeremiah 29, 11. I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Now, for what it's worth, that um, verse is quite frequently um, not used so well because the context of, of what Jeremiah is saying around it isn't always remembered. However, there is in that a voice of a prophet representing God and talking about hopefulness, talking about God's intention for the future being good for his people. I want to read from Luke 7, and I'm starting at verse 11. Soon afterwards, Jesus went to a town called Nain, and his disciples and a large crowd went along with him. As he approached the town gate, a dead person was being carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow. And a large crowd from the town was with her. When the Lord saw her, his heart went out to her, and he said, don't cry. Then he went up and touched the bier, which is another word for like a stretcher, but they were carrying him on, and the bearers stood still. He said, young man, I say to you, get up. The dead man sat up and began to talk, and Jesus gave him back to his mother. They were all filled with awe and praise God. A great prophet has appeared among us, they said. God has come to help his people. This news about Jesus spread throughout Judea and the surrounding country. How much hopefulness is there in that response from the crowd? A great prophet has appeared among us. God has come to help his people, they said. And as Jeremiah, uh, as we were saying earlier, you know, reminds us <clears throat> God has positive, good plans for us that are for our good and for our benefit. Prophets bring that noise, that hopeful noise, that sound of um, potential. Even in some of the darker books, even in things like Ezekiel, and we have such a profound sense of judgment and wrongness, there are still peppered all the way through those noises, those sounds of hopefulness, of potential and possibility, of God's intention to bring good things about. Number seven is integrity. A prophet speaks truth to circumstances. And we're dipping into John 4 for this. Jesus told her, go call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. This is a woman that Jesus has met at a well. Jesus said to her, you are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is you have had five husbands and the man you now have is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true. So the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is Jerusalem. Woman, Jesus replied, believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and hath now come when the true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For they are the kind of worshippers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshippers must worship in spirit and truth. Here we have that, that speaking into circumstances. It's, it's not harsh. It's not condemning or judgmental. Jesus just very clearly says, I know what the reality is here. 
And this is what a prophet does. He comes into circumstances, or she comes into circumstances and says, this is the truth here. This is the reality. Whatever it might look like, or you might have been told it is, this is what's actually happening. And actually, in lots of ways, this is one of the most powerful things that prophecy does right throughout the Bible. And actually, as prophecy is expressed uh, in our time, too. There are ways in which what God wants to do, what God wants his voice to do, is to cut through the noise and to bring truth and integrity to circumstances so that no one is in any doubt, so that there isn't uncertainty about what's actually happening. Jesus does this. And so in all those seven ways, Jesus demonstrates his role as prophet. Now, just before we finish, I want to ask, so what? Always ask, so what, of anything that you read in the Bible, whether you're reading it by yourself or with others. Don't just get to a point where you think, I think I understand that. Always then say, so what? What does that mean for other people? What does it mean for me? Jesus was a prophet and recognised himself in that role and was recognised by others in that role. And that means a couple of important things. One is that Jesus' role in coming to earth was not just to die. It can be easy for us to feel that way, particularly when uh, perhaps we've been brought up in a context in which the cross has been such a big part of the message of Jesus that some of the other things have been crowded out. Cross is pivotal, and I wouldn't say anything else. But but Jesus' role was not just to die, but very much to live and to live, to minister to others, to demonstrate God's goodness, and to prophesy. What does that mean for us? Well, if we're to follow Jesus, we need to speak in some of those ways too. Now, Jesus was recognised as having a particular authority. And a particular, as a particular uh, sense of amazement from those around him and what he did, and and it can be easy for us to feel, oh no, how can I possibly look to be the kind of voice that Jesus was? And and yes, that's fair to say, but I want to throw in two extra things. One is that when Jesus um, talks to his disciples about how the Holy Spirit will be involved in them, he says, "You'll do greater things than I've done because of the Spirit in me." So it is possible for us to say the things that Jesus has done, it's okay for us to to try to emulate. And actually, if what we're trying to do is be like Jesus, even if it goes wrong, we're heading in the right direction. The second thing, the world around us needs the message. It needs that prophetic kind of voice. It needs people to bring integrity and the truth in circumstances it needs hopefulness and the promises that jesus brings it needs the voices of justice and representation it needs sometimes a voice of revolution and it also needs that sense of reporting what's happening and talking about what might come afterwards or what will come next and our world needs preaching too Maybe not in that formal ceremony kind of sense, but certainly in the sense that points people towards God. If we are to follow Jesus, if we are to be his apprentices, then actually the way in which he used his voice and his presence and his ministry is a model for us to follow. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, we ask that you come and infuse us with a renewed sense of release to follow Jesus and to be his apprentice.
help us to always be trying to be more like him and give us courage that we might be that kind of prophetic voice that he was and which he still is. Amen. As ever, we're looking at three questions. Question number one is this. What area, which of those seven descriptions of prophecy would you most like to increase in your own life? And then once you've identified that, perhaps it'd be worth pausing to pray and ask the Holy Spirit to build up that part of how you represent an apprentice to Jesus with that aspect. Question two, is your expression of your faith hopeful? When people around you find out that you know Jesus, or maybe they already do and they talk to you about it, do they discover somebody who has hopefulness? We've talked before about how the, um, the fruits of the Spirit in Galatians 5 are a good guide for how we might go about living, particularly around those who don't know Jesus. And I'm struck by the fact that the second one of those is joy. Joy, aren't hope, joy and hopefulness aren't the same thing, but there's something, isn't there, about hopefulness that is able to bear with a lot of things that are hard because there is a future, and, and that actually takes the pressure off. Do you bring hopefulness in the way in which you follow Jesus? And question three, how do you feel about Jesus as a revolutionary prophet? How do you feel about following a Jesus who is happy to turn things upside down and make them different. Maybe it's worth thinking about what Jesus does, which is so revolutionary. Maybe it's that concept of forgiveness, which turns on its head the idea in our culture that people should always have to pay for their mistakes. Maybe it's something else. What is it about the idea of revolution that gets you excited or gets you nervous? How do you feel about Jesus as a revolutionary prophet? Well, that's the end of session two in this sequence, Understanding Jesus. It's been great to be with you. I look forward to seeing you soon. Take care and God bless. <music>